Hey, welcome to Humanitou. I'm Adam Williams, the creator and host of this podcast series that shines light on humanness and creativity. Yours, mine, ours. And today in this solo episode, I'm sharing some thoughts, resources, and ideas about finding life success and approaching our life, work, and practices one step at a time. Now, sometimes that feels boring and sometimes it feels like it lacks a sense of of urgency. It can feel a bit like watching for the water kettle to boil. We all want to fulfill our big life purpose and we want to do it right now, right? Fair enough. And for many of us, we go through periods of doubting that we even have one, have a life purpose or whether we're capable of figuring out what it is. But whatever it is, we want to fire it up, launch it and make life deeply and meaningfully awesome, right? So in doing that, in worrying about it, in overthinking it, I often find myself seizing up, tightening up, questioning, doubting, getting anxious, and pretty much trying to solve the whole journey right now, from wherever I stand right now. It hurts to think that I'm failing in my purpose, or that I don't even know what it is, that I'm spinning wheels in the mud and getting further and further behind wherever I think I'm supposed to be, or wherever I think that everyone else who presumably has figured it all out wherever they are. And then I have those moments of Zen, of calm, of sanity and groundedness. And I look for and seek out reinforcements. So today, I'm going to get into some of that with the help of some wise old sages, like an 8th century Buddhist, Thomas Edison, Michael Jordan, and the Jedi Master Yoda, among others. And to lead us into this flow, I'm going to share something that I wrote several months ago that was meant only as a reminder for myself at the time. But I recently picked it up again, and it turns out that it's worth sharing here and now. So I'm going to read it, and then catch my breath while the music rolls, and I'll catch you again on the other side. Here it is. Create to create. To give, to shine light. For the sake of the work. Allowing longevity and wholeness of the work to be the story of where I placed my energy, my purpose, my value, my heart, leaving behind a collection of all the me I saw as vessel and conduit of the sacred, the divine, and yet impermanent. So in this episode, I'm keeping on with A bit of a thing that's returned to my mind and my life practices of late. And with that in mind, I'm trying to refocus on metaphorically chopping wood and carrying water every day. Now, if you're not familiar with the phrase chop wood, carry water, it comes from a poem written around 1200 years ago by a Chinese Chan Buddhist devotee named Peng. Peng was a layman and he traveled around with his daughter, Ling Chao, to various monasteries to deepen his understanding with Buddhist masters, but he preferred to stay at the status of layman. And here is the short poem that gave this image and meaning to a philosophical life approach, chop wood, carry water, that continues to be used around the world more than a millennium later, and is the heart of this episode on humanity. Peng wrote, My daily activities are not unusual. I'm just naturally in harmony with them. Grasping nothing, discarding nothing. In every place there's no hindrance, no conflict. My supernatural power and marvelous activity, drawing water and chopping wood. This simple poem eventually led to a Zen Buddhist koan, which gives us the streamlined phrasing for chop wood, carry water. 
Zen, by the way, developed from the Cham Buddhism of Peng's day. And the Zen koan often is some version of this. A novice says to the master, What does one do before enlightenment? Chop wood, carry water, replies the teacher. The novice asks, What then does one do after enlightenment? Chop wood, carry water. And not to belabor this idea, but there is another commonly shared story that I think adds a little more nuance, a little more imagery, and will help us to land in a useful place as we move forward with what I'm, I'm sharing here today. So I'll go through it quickly. A young boy became a monk. He dreamed of enlightenment and of learning great things. And when he got to the monastery, he was told that each morning he had to chop wood to be used for the monk's fires and then carry water up to the monastery for washing and for the kitchen. He attended prayers and meditation, but the direct teaching that he was receiving was far more limited than he had hoped. So one day he was told to take some tea to the abbot in his chambers, and then he did, and the abbot saw that he looked down, and so he asked him about it. And the boy said, every day all I do is chop wood and carry water, and I want to learn. I want to understand things. I want to be great one day. I want to be like you. The abbot gestured to the scrolls that were on the shelves lining the walls. And he said, when I started, I was like you. And every day I would chop wood and carry water. And I understood that someone had to do these things. But like you, I also wanted to move forward. Eventually I did. I read all of the scrolls. I met with kings and gave counsel. And eventually became the abbot. Now I understand that the key to everything is that everything, everything, is chopping wood and carrying water. And that if one does everything mindfully, then it's all the same. Well, this is like how my spiritual teacher, friend, and mentor, who I occasionally mention on this podcast, Jessica Patterson, it's like how she talks about this philosophy. It's more about how we go about the work we do, the intentions we put into it, the why we're doing it, much more than it is about the actual what we're doing. So she teaches it like this, expresses it like this. Why we do anything will inform how we do it. And in the end, that will determine what we actually did. So why and how do we go about the chopping wood and carrying water in our lives? Why and how do you go about those basic tasks and living in your life? The Zen abbot in the story above says, all our work is this. Whatever the what is, the work is the why and the how. And that has been on my mind lately. It's a broken record. It's an earworm like that song melody or lyric that just lodges in my head and I can't shake it out. When I'm feeling too much ego in, and, and my focus is on wanting to make something bigger and specialer happen with humanity, with wanting to make a bigger positive impact, when wanting to move faster, I've been coming back periodically to this line about chopping and carrying, about putting in the humble conscious, consistent work, and knowing that that is the thing. But all in all, there's plenty of room for interpretation of what the Zen koan to chop wood carry water means. And my point with it here today is to stick with what resonates for me right now. And maybe, hopefully, that's something that resonates with you. So, I've been thinking of this, uh, of chop wood carry water, in terms of a few things. One, it's how I live daily life. How we go about feeling grounded in work and even just in breathing. You know, that, that capacity for relaxed, content existence. Two, 
how I personally go about living creative practices, the processes and how I look at the progress and what it means to be successful in those and through those as tools for living. And then three, it's how I do the same simple and humble work in my spiritual practices, which ultimately tie together the numbers one and two that I just shared there. So it's the daily breathing and living. In my case, that's parenting and husbanding. And it's living all the minutiae that makes a day happen, that makes thriving and continuing as an individual and a household happen. And then also creating and being in public with that creative life. The spiritual leader Ram Das said, he said many great things, but plucking out one of them here, he said, instead of saying, I can't do spiritual practices because I have children, you say, my children are my spiritual practice. If you're traveling a lot, your traveling becomes your yoga. You start to use your life, whatever it is. You start to use the daily of your life as your curriculum for coming to God. I'll interject here, though, because the concept of God can be challenging for some, for many, including myself. I'll interject the concept of self-awareness or consciousness. So using your life as your curriculum for coming to consciousness. And Ramdas continued, you use the things that are on your plate that are presented to you so that relationships, economics, psychodynamics, all of these become grist for the mill of awakening. They're all part of your curriculum. So in that, naturally, I can read Chop Wood, Carry Water. I use it like a mantra, a reminder to bring my focus back to the basics, back to the day-to-day -day processes of life, to move step-by-step, step, or as some yogis and other spiritual practitioners say, pade, pade. Because when I don't, when I'm like that novice monk that wanted to jump right to knowing all the things to know, to being his idea of monkness, which I've attempted many, many times with things, to look that far ahead, to just want that end of the line without taking the time and putting in the work, then I forget what it takes and what it, what it even means to be that thing, to be anything. Occasionally, I get caught going down a rabbit hole of comparison. Like when we envision another person's success is where we want to go or what we think we want to know, or, or maybe worse yet, or more difficult yet, is where we think we ought to be or ought to go. So the novice monk wanting to just get to enlightenment already, just be there without being patient enough to recognize the work and to focus the attention and the energy and the efforts there. Especially in this age of information overload and social media, I think that we can get caught up looking at the other creative people or really anyone who has what we think we want, right? A shiny career, stacks of seemingly easy money, the just right house, or again, from the perspective of me as a parent, the offspring that listen and follow and do whatever they're told or asked every time. If we enter parenthood with preconceived notions, if we enter the creative life or retirement or work or whatever the experience with preconceived notions of what we'll accomplish or what we ought to accomplish, what we think we ought to, then we tend to envision the crowning moment, that shining spotlight, the arrival at something. And at least for me, in my mind, I tend to skip past the work, past the learnings, the lessons, that drudge and trench work as it may be 
that make having that particular life, that particular accomplishment, existence, possible. I was looking up some information the other day with my youngest son. He's eight, and we looked up information about Thomas Edison because of a curiosity about all the effort that he put in, all the steps he took. Now, Thomas Edison famously is known, in part, for having been unsuccessful in 1,000 attempts to invent the light bulb. And when asked what it felt like to fail so many times, his response was, I didn't fail 1,000 times. The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. Had any of those 1,000 steps been skipped or abandoned or avoided, Edison might not have come to the result that he came to with that successful invention of the light bulb. Every bit of that, every step, every so-called failure was needed. It was all the basic work, right? That, that drudge work, if we look at it that way. And the stamina that was needed to stay focused on it and keep at it. Likewise, it's easy to dream that Pablo Picasso was born a genius of a talent with paints and brushes in his hands and with cubist and surrealist inventions preformed in his mind. But to do that, we skip the facts that he was one of the most prolific artists ever, meaning really that he put in the work to develop his ideas and his skills that led to his renowned place in history as an artist. And if we abuse ourselves with fantastic stories of how someone else like that achieved so easily, or by luck of birth or luck of whatever, whatever shortcut, and we tell ourselves that we're such failures for not having that, or for not having what we perceive to be the dream or the pinnacle, then not only do we dishonor ourselves and our capabilities, but we dishonor those that we're comparing to. A more contemporary example here, and one from the time of my childhood, and that I use now as a parent on occasion, when I'm on the basketball court with my sons or doing something like that, and I remind them that Michael Jordan, who even though he's many years past his playing career, they are familiar with, I remind them that he was not born the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and that no one, no one ever is. You just don't get born that way. To assume that dishonors the work that that person put in and the struggles and challenges that they overcame. It dishonors their willingness to stay in it, to stay in the trenches, to stay focused on the step-by-step of chopping wood and carrying water. You know, Jordan got to be the greatest at what he did by taking the steps needed one at a time. Pare, pare. He chopped, he carried, he put in all the work needed. He's known for shooting 10,000 practice shots a day among all the other work he did. He was the first one in the gym, the last one out, extremely dedicated. And after he won the NBA championship that first time, he continued to chop wood and carry water. And after he won six of them, you know what he did. You know, he kept chopping and carrying. And so to be like that novice monk for me is to get lost in the common habit of thinking that life is an all or nothing kind of thing. I spent years of my life wishing that I could be an artist, wishing that I could show in art galleries, wishing that I could be a writer, a photographer, wishing that I could be a confident person in using my voice. And 
to be able to accept having an outlet where I could use it. I would attempt to look from the starting point of an idea all the way to completion, all the way to that dream of whatever shiny, great success at the end of that road. And if I couldn't see the whole road, if I couldn't see the whole path to success, how to get there every step, I typically would abandon the idea. I saw, frankly, only great odds against my succeeding if I couldn't see that full path of how it would all come together. And it took me a really long time to understand that the path is built as we go. To be a photographer, a writer, a poet, an artist, to be a podcaster, all I had to do was pick up the necessary tools, be it a pen, a camera, a microphone, a recorder, and just start doing something with it. I only had to enter the arena and be willing to sweat, to get dusty, to put in the effort. Maybe to get a bit battered and bloodied by the process. But to stand fearlessly against the inner voices of my own senses of shame and smallness. I just had to take action. Because the path is built as we go. And I'm not sure we could ask for much more. Because that means it's up to us to shape our own path to the terrain as we encounter it and to be willing and able to adjust and adapt and flex with it as needed. And it means that success is not only possible, but possibly even inevitable if we just keep going, keep putting step before step. And it's an endless road. It's one that we're always building. Speaking of keeping going, Austin Cleon, he is self-described as the writer who draws. And he's the author of a series of books on the creative life. And his most recent is called Keep Going. And here's a nugget from that book by Cleon. He writes, Truly prolific artists have all identified what they want to spend their time on, and they work at it every day, no matter what. Whether their latest thing is universally rejected, ignored, or acclaimed, they know that they'll still get up tomorrow and do their work. He continues, We have so little control over our lives. The only thing we can really control is what we spend our days on, what we work on, and how hard we work on it. Now, I've been doing this work of Humanitu, for example, for more than three years. And sometimes I'm surprised that it's been going for as long as it has. Sometimes I think I don't know how it's happened. But at the bottom of it all is that I keep going. And there are some days that that's because of my wife's encouragement. There are some days it's because of the encouraging comments I get from you or just showing up and listening. And some days it's because I know this simple fact. There is no middle ground. I either keep going or I don't. Which brings to mind a particular Star Wars scene of all things. I'm thinking of Yoda, the wise old wrinkly green Jedi master that, well, this probably is a pretty odd digression for me for any of those who know me or have listened much to me because I'm not really a sci-fi follower. But I do remember that this I'll say meme-worthy tidbit of wisdom from Yoda happened in The Empire Strikes Back. Well, at least as we knew it back when I was a kid. It's actually now known as Star Wars Episode Five, something or other. But there's a poignant and often cited scene where Yoda gets a bit exasperated with his young protege, Luke Skywalker. And Yoda bows his head, just shaking it in frustration. And he says to the young Jedi warrior, always with you what cannot be done. Then Yoda raises his head, looks at Luke, and says, Hear you nothing that I say? You must unlearn what you have learned. 
And Luke nods, turns away from Yoda, like some some teenager who's already got it figured out, he thinks. And he just flippantly says, all right, I'll give it a try. Yoda snaps back. Do or do not, there is no try. It's about taking action. At the bottom line, that's what I hear. It's about taking action. So many sources tell us this. So many. And I wish it hadn't taken me so long to, to come to this recognition. To stop worrying about how long and scary a road of success is or isn't. We don't know. We haven't walked it. Not yet. And trying to think my way to perfect plans. To just stop worrying about it. And to follow my heart into action. In the spiritual text that long predates Yoda and the making of Star Wars, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells the warrior Arjuna he must take action. That there is no alternative. And even inaction is in fact an action. Julia Cameron an author that I've mentioned numerous times on Humanitu because of her influential book, The Artist's Way, inspires to action. Pick your leading light, your leading resource, whatever guides you from any of the ones I've mentioned or from countless others too. But the plan, the process in life and in creativity, I think it gets boiled down to this. It's a three-step plan. Step one. Take action. Small, consistent, focused action. Step two, repeat. Step three, keep going. There's thousands of years of this teaching from countless sources. Anyone who is achieving what we wish and dream could achieve, I think that they've figured this out. Take consistent action. And if we go back to the Buddhist poet that started us off here in this episode, Layman Peng, let your supernatural power and your marvelous activity Lie in the simple and in the useful, even in the seemingly mundane. Chop wood, carry water. And you can start now. You can take a pen and a piece of paper, or if you're somewhere where that's not within reach, make a mental note of one thing that you'd like to accomplish. However big, however small the accomplishment might seem, then write one action that you can take toward that end. Just one step in the direction of making that accomplishment a reality. And after you've taken that action, after it's complete, write down the next step that you can take and then repeat and keep going. Thanks for being here with me today. As I talk about these thoughts and I lay out some resources and ideas for how we can find success in our lives and in our creative practices just one step at a time by focusing on the basics. Chop wood, carry water. If you'd like to help keep the good going, then I would appreciate your leaving a rating or a review on Apple, iTunes, or wherever else you can. Maybe you subscribe to the Humanitude newsletter at the website humanitude.com. I also welcome your feedback or maybe topical suggestions for future episodes that I tackle myself. You can send me an email at adam at humanitude.com or send a direct message at humanitu on Instagram. So until the next episode, I'm Adam Williams creator and host of the Humanity Podcast. Thanks for being here.